You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. Welcome into the OKC82 Podcast. Chisholm, I'm Brady Trantham, bringing you uh, some great content over the weekend. So I'm sure you'll be listening to this while you're mowing your yard on Saturday. Or doing some household chores on Sunday, working outside. No, just kidding. It's going to rain every single day for the rest of our lives. Yeah, we are living in Waterworld. This is perpetual darkness and rain. Yeah, the weather's been awful. But uh, hopefully we can bring a little joy here. A lot of thunder from the weather. Not a lot of thunder from the basketball. Actually, none. I would say no no, no thunder from the basketball. Is it eight days, nine days ago they got beat? I think Tuesday of last week. So I think we're a little past that. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, a little more than that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, obviously we got a lot we could talk about. The off season is always a lot of fun because you can just make up content as far as like, hey, trades. What what do trades look like and all that stuff. We're gonna do a little bit of that tonight. Uh, we thought we'd start with talking about a former player who used to uh, suit up for the Oklahoma City Thunder, Kendrick Perkins. I'm sure you've heard the uh, the clip by now. It's made its uh, passes all the way through every radio station in the Oklahoma City Metro, uh, any news station as well has some thoughts about the Thunder organization, how they handled the summer of 2016. So here's Kendrick. OKC needs Russ, and Russ knows that. Okay, but will he listen to Sam Presti? Will will he say, I got to change my ways a little bit? Because I just, I don't see that. I think Russ is Russ. I think he's always going to be Russ for better or for worse. But I don't think, I don't think it's the point that he needs to listen to Sam Presti. I think... You got to get him to the point where he listens to a coach that he believes in or that he's going to respect. Well, and I don't know if he, Popovich ain't walking through that door. <laughs> I mean, yeah. no, that's a good, coach but it's a good there. point. I, I, I'm I mean, with you. I mean, you yeah. got Monty Williams sitting yeah. out there. Hey, there you go. I mean, you know, so that's I mean, at the end of the day, you get, you got Monty Williams. You need somebody. Well, well, he on he on high, or two people's radar. <laughs> well, make it put him on three people's radar. <laughs> Not anymore with Monty Williams. Not anymore with Monty Williams. Sadly, I say this because I like Monty a whole lot. Me too. And Sadly he's, he, going to he, Phoenix. He's going to have a front row seat to watching Devin Booker drop 60 or 70 points once a year. That's yeah. Gonna, that's going to be fun. No, and also, I mean, obviously <laughs> Phoenix has had a coaching carousel and the ownership's bad. Is this so. his fourth or fifth different coach, Devin Booker's, since he's been with the Suns? Oh, uh, Hornacek, Hornacek, Watson. Hornacek, Earl Watson, and then last year Igor for a year. So fourth. at minimum fourth, unless we're forgetting someone who was kind of in the middle. Goodness. Yeah. That's how you destroy your career. Yeah, I think someone tweeted out earlier that this coming season, Phoenix is going to be play- paying five coaches' salaries mm-hmm. because they've let go of so many people while they were still under contract that they're still paying people to not coach the yeah, Phoenix which, Suns. Which out of all those guys, I mean, um, it, w- it it's a shame that Monty Williams wasn't there from the beginning because I think Monty Williams is a good coach. Yeah. Um, obviously... Um, the last, I mean, Thunder fans are well aware of him being an assistant coach back in 2015-16 before his wife tragically passed away. But, um, I mean, kudos to the Suns for actually, I, I guess, I mean, was he, what was it, Igor Kokoskov? Mm-hmm. Was that his last name? Do we even know if he's like, was that Phoenix or was that him? Or was it just a terrible situation? It was seemed to be Phoenix. Uh, it seemed like they were moving forward. But why did... Why that, did Really quick, why didn't they get Doncic? That was his guy. That was this guy. Uh, because they wanted to keep it local because he thought DeAndre Ayton would sell more tickets, which that is clearly not true. God, that is uh, so stupid. <laughs> um, but yeah, so neither here nor there. But Kendrick Perkins, some thoughts over Russell Westbrook about the coaching, uh, about how to manage him as a personality. Did you take away anything from that? Or For me, that's just stuff we've heard before. Uh, nothing super shocking from Kendrick there, but what were your thoughts? Uh, I mean, 
my thoughts on that are just that sounds like a guy who's trying to get a soundbite. You know, he Kendrick Perkins is a guy who, I mean, what he's playing with the big three right now with yeah. the Ice Cube's league, so he's he's still playing, quote unquote, basketball. Um, but his future beyond that, you know, is a little bit up in the air at this point, I guess, at least for him. So I guess the only thing on, left on his um, plate would be to possibly coach, which he's he's talked about, I think, a few times about not wanting to just coach like big men and being an assistant coach, but being a head coach. And I mean, I guess that's kind of a thing in the NBA where big men are typically not coaches. Right. Um, it's typically if you're a former player, it's more of your forwards and guards uh, that are your head coaches. So, I mean, that, that's something that Kendra Perkins could potentially, you know, pursue uh, as the years go on. But the more immediate thing that he could probably do is do what he just did and just go on some media outlet, um, whether it be Fox or ESPN or whatever, whoever would have him and just talk. And that sounded like a guy that was just trying to get his voice out there because um, breaking news. Yeah. Russell Westbrook needs to play under a coach that he respects. The problem is for Thunder fans. If I mean, if you don't like Billy Donovan, Russell respects Billy Donovan. Now, does he respect him because uh, he's very authoritative and he, I, mean, I, I don't know, he, he's he's like a Greg Popovich in that, like he's won titles, so I'm going to do what he says. No, that's not the case. The case is probably because, well, Billy listens to me and lets me do my thing, um, so that's why I respect him. So it, it really doesn't come down to whether or not Russell Westbrook respects somebody. It's just It just comes down to who can really get to Russ but that's a conversation for a different time because, again, Russell likes Billy Donovan. So yeah. if if you're fine with that, cool. If you don't like Billy Donovan, then I'm sorry. He's going to come back, and we're going to see the same Russell Westbrook that we've seen for, in his words, the past 11 years, and it will have little to do with his coaching. Yeah, uh, and that's a big point of conversation is, well, you know, Billy Donovan lets Russell walk all over him, and we don't know that for a fact, but we have seen things in games that would allude to there's a little bit of that. Russell kind of controls what goes on on the floor, uh, whether that's not paying attention in timeouts, not running sets, like Brian Windhorst reported halfway through the season that just Russell just doesn't run any sets that Billy Donovan draws up, um, or the waving off the player who's trying to check in for him. Obviously, there might be respect there. I don't know if I would call it professional respect, though. Maybe I'm, I'm reading the situation wrong, but does it strike me as like, wow, Russell really, really, really loves Billy Donovan's X's and O's a whole lot. He's really committed to that. That doesn't seem to be the case. Um, and Dennis Schroeder alluded to it in his exit interview saying that Billy sometimes maybe uh, listens a little bit too much to the detriment of the team. And I think those are the things that would seem to uh, prove those to be true. Um, that whenever that stuff goes on. So I'm sure Russell likes it because Russell likes to do his thing and be who he is and kind of lean into his, I don't want to say alter ego, but whoever he is on the floor, because obviously you know, in the community he's a different guy. Russell's alter ego. His alter ego, <laughs> the the maniac that's on the floor, but because Billy allows that to happen on some level. Uh, but Thunder fans out there go, okay, it's more popular than ever now that people are like, oh, we got to get Russell reined in. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm over this. We need a coach who can sit him down in the fourth quarter if he's shooting too many bad shots or if he has a bunch of turnovers pulling him off the floor. If he loses his guy on the backside and lets a wide-open three go in for the winner like he's done like seven times. Yikes. Uh, we, we need to yank him, all that stuff, you know, talk down to him. That coach. That coach doesn't exist. <laughs> Uh, so if you're expecting someone to be able to like rein in Russell, like where Russell's just going to listen to everything he says, you're hiring Russell Westbrook Sr. or you're hiring Nina. So if you're okay with one of those two coaching candidates, sounds like you're that's your guy. Uh, if not, 
Billy Donovan is the next logical best option, which I assume is how Stan Presti came to the uh, decision that he's going to come back. If Billy wants to come back, it's his job. Yeah, I mean, unless... I mean, obviously, the the easiest thing to point to that's not realistic is if Greg Popovich just didn't sign. I'm this so, three, yeah. If he didn't sign this three year extension and then called Sam Preston and said, "I would love to cut coach Russell Westbrook," well, then yeah, then you part ways with Billy and then you move on with Greg. Um, that's not going to happen. That doesn't happen in any dimension, any reality whatsoever. Right. Um, so I think at this point, with Russell Westbrook and Paul George entering year three with each other, um, with the Thunder being able to have those guys along with Steven Adams and Dennis Schroeder, Jeremy Grant, you know, well into their primes, you've 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 made your bed with Billy to an extent. Right. You have to kind of see it through to the end. And I think ownership has made it very apparent that they're wanting to see this through. Um they paid the money, they paid they saw they got Dennis Schroeder. And Sam alluded that they're willing to pay it again next year. Exactly. Um they got Dennis Schroeder. Um they kept Jeremy Grant. They've uh kept on Andre Robertson I mean, all these things that tell you that they want to see this this through, uh, this through with this unit, and that includes Billy Donovan. So um, my thing is, I just don't know really what can be done because it, it's just my opinion. It, yours could be different. Chism, uh, Thunder fans might think differently. The Thunder are only going to go as far as Russell Westbrook allows, and if the Thunder are going to get over the hump, then there needs to be there needs to be some obvious changes with, with Russell Westbrook and his approach of basketball and his in the way that he plays basketball. I'm not trying to say that he needs to shoot four or five less shots a game. I think that that's silly, because um, good luck with that. But there are ways that you can alter his game to make sure that that the Thunder are a less emotionally charged basketball team, so that they play a little bit more, I guess, a, a style that's more conducive to winning and sustained success. Because their biggest thing in the last two years, and even going back to Billy Donovan's first year with Kevin Durant, this team is so inconsistent. They're so inconsistent. They lose so many games that they shouldn't. And that first year, you know, they, they weren't losing to a lot of the bad teams in the league, but they, what, they blew like 17 fourth quarter leads. So that, in in and of itself, that's that's a team that loses games that they should win. So nowadays, they're not really blowing fourth quarter leads. They're just losing to Memphis, you know, sitting Mike Conley. Right. They're losing to... Um, <clears throat> They're losing to uh, Brooklyn and Mexico Bro- and a whole yeah, bunch of yeah all the all these bad teams. It's just a problem with inconsistency. So my, my question is, how do you change the? How do you fix the con- inconsistency? The answer is Russell Westbrook. So good luck. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, and I actually disagree with you. I don't think this team goes as far as Russell Westbrook can take them. Uh, I I because I think is that's, it Paul? I think it's one of those things that we've been pounding our heads that that's what we've been told. If Russell Westbrook is the ceiling, how far he. I don't think that's true anymore. I think Paul George is the ceiling. However, Paul George can carry them as far as... Russell is the floor. The floor well, is where Russell Westbrook sets Well, it. here's the thing. Because Russell either makes them a worse team, or he allows Paul George to make them a great team. Well, that's the thing, is Russell has to allow it to happen. Russell has to make it happen. Paul can't do it by himself. Paul is not a guy who... He's not an alpha. He's... Like, I hesitate to say that because... On the might, floor, he is. On the floor, he is, but he... He proved in these in these in these playoffs he cannot be. This is the second year in the row where okay, yes, he was hurt. He was a little bit banged up um, in last year's playoff playoffs against Utah. Um, he ended up having offseason sur- surgery as a result. But I, I just I can't buy into Paul George being your alpha from game one onto game like the first round, second round, third round in the playoffs. I just can't buy that. What I can buy is Russell Westbrook and that that intensity that can be sustained 
for as long as the Thunder are playing. No, it can't. The, the pro- no, no, it can't. No, the problem. The intensity has never been sustained, ever. That's why they're up and down. That's not true. No, you can be intense. I mean, Presti talked about this in his exit interview. But you just said Russell Westbrook's the barometer of that, and he's never done that. He's never kept the Russell Westbrook fire, I'm going to play 1,000 miles an hour and under control and do everything exactly right for a two-game season. That's never been happening. It's been up and down. Well, no, 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 no. Okay, so let me backtrack. Really, the thing is, you can be intense, but not. that doesn't mean you bulldoze to the rim hunting for foul calls, hunting for whistles. I want Russell Westbrook to be in t- intense. Russell Westbrook was intense in that 11, what was it, 12 wins and 13-game stretch or 14-game stretch in the middle of the year. He was intense, and he was having you know problems shooting the basketball and scoring, but his fingerprints were still all over the all over the game, and that was when Paul George was at his MVP height. Yeah. So that's that's the ceiling for me. So I want Russ, I want Russell to be intense as he can be because you, I, I'm not trying to say let's let's give um, Russ a spinal t- or not a spinal tap. Uh, what is it? A lobotomy? You know, when when some dude goes in a movie gets lobotomized and they're all of a sudden a vegetable. Like I'm not trying to calm Russ down. I want that same intensity, but I want it allocated in different areas and not just with him being having tunnel vision in games. That's what needs to be altered. Because Paul needs to be facilitated too. He cannot facilitate to himself game in and game out because he's way too damn streaky. So I want Russell to be the same person that he is. Mm-hmm. I just want it to, I want there to be more of a focus on making sure Paul is put into spots to succeed because when that happens, the Thunder are really good. When Paul got hurt, which is unfortunate, um, however, it was... They also a- lost Alex Abrinas. I don't know if you oh, knew that. Oh, yes. <laughs> Fifteen times that name was mentioned. Um when Paul was hurt, which it was by a byproduct of the way that he plays basketball, so that also needs to be fixed as well. You know, you can't really depend on Paul George to be your perimeter defense 24-7 for every single game because, all right, he's already got a bum shoulder. He's going to have to get it fixed. Who knows if that's going to be a lingering issue moving forward? If it is, you don't want him to have to bust through screens every single night because it's going to be a it's that'll be a lingering issue. So. I just want Russ to be the same person that he is. I just want it to be allocated in different spots. I totally disagree with you. I totally disagree <laughs> with you. I think, like, I think that's the thing that we've just been told, told over and over and over, and it sounds really good until so you watch it happen. And the greatest example is exactly what you're trying to use the other way. the tw- The thirteen games and the thirteen wins in fourteen games, which is the best basketball they played all year. Russell Westbrook was under control. He played a role, which, yep. to your point, left fingerprints all over the game. But as far as allowing the team to function, he got out of the way. He allowed that team to be great, got out of the way, said, okay, I'm going to get some assists, I'm going to get some rebounds, I'm going to push the tempo. But overall, the barometer, how this team's going to play, it's going to be off the back of Paul George. We're going to figure that out. Paul George is going to be, how good are we going to be tonight? It's going to come off the back of Paul George. I'm just here to play point guard and get rebounds. That's why I'm here. Well, doesn't he let Russell be the emo, let Paul be the uh, the gauge of how this game's going to play out. I'm just going to fill a role. That's when they play their best basketball. Because I mean, it's just so apparent that whenever he takes two steps back, and this is going to sound shocking, when those games that you look up and be like, holy crap, Russell had 14 rebounds and 13 assists, I didn't even really notice it. Those are the best Russell Westbrook games when he can fade into the background and just do what he does great. That double overtime loss in San Antonio is probably a good example of what we're both talking about here. Paul had a Paul struggled that night, and of course the Spurs shot just in a way that is just impossible. Almost they they hit what, what their first fourteen threes that game. The game uh, ended up going into double overtime, but Russell had I think his career uh, his season high or possibly his career high like 24, 25 assists that night. 
And it wasn't until he got like the 21st assist that I was like, what? He has how many assists? Because it was just such in the flow of the game. And Russell didn't really attack in terms of, of scoring until very late when he had to because Paul, I, I want to say he wasn't, he, he struggled to an extent. I don't that know. Night. That was a long time ago. I can't um, remember. But again, what you're saying, like I agree with, but, here's but, my, but what you're trying to no. dis, you're disagreeing with like it has to be on Russell's terms. That is on Russell's terms. He has to make that that decision to take those two steps back and play a role and make sure that Paul is the guy that's doing the brunt of the scoring, that he gets the best shots, that it doesn't become okay, Dame just hit a 3 in my face. I'm going to go dribble down for 5 seconds and, sh- and shoot a, you know, 28-footer, you know, 18 seconds left on the shot clock. That's bullshit. But everything else that we're talking about, we're agreeing. I think you're just misunderstanding that, like, it has to be on Russ's terms. That's what I mean. No, you're like, saying I, we're arguing about who puts the higher ceiling on this team. I think Russell Westbrook, peak Russell Westbrook, I'm going to, whatever that looks like. What, if you want to argue that's the 45 points with 11 assists, or if you want to argue that's the 27 assists, whatever Russell Westbrook you think that is, peak Russell Westbrook adds less wins than bottom dweller Russell Westbrook, which we are very familiar with, causes more losses. I think he causes more losses when he plays poorly than he adds more wins than he plays great. While Paul George, when he plays poorly, I think he causes way less losses than he can add when he plays really, really well. So I think he is the ceiling. Russell is the bottom because when the Thunder struggle the most, it's because Russell struggles the most. When Paul George struggles, yes, this team, like he struggled the first of the year. They weren't scoring a whole bunch of baskets, but they weren't bottom dwellers in the NBA because they were able to sustain on some level. When Russell Westbrook tanks this team, he tanks this team. Yeah. Tanks it. Yeah. And I still don't think at Russell's ceiling, he carries this team to another level like Paul George can. So I think Russell's floor, Paul George's ceiling. I guess in that respect, that's why I think this team is only going to go where Russ takes it because, like you just said, um, when Russ when Russ has bad games, like bad, bad games, the Thunder suck. Yeah. We saw that in the playoffs. And to me, that's – he. I mean, he's the face. He is the leader of this team. and like, Should it, he be? Um, I, th- I, I, his, I even hesitate to say from an emotional standpoint because the thing is, is his teammates do thrive off of his energy – when things are going well, when things aren't going well, his emotion is just completely misplaced. Um, but that's that's what he has to figure out. And yeah, it's silly that we're saying this. You know, his eleventh year going into year twelve now with this offseason, that he he should have figured this out years ago. But that's the reality that we live in. You're not going to trade Russell Westbrook. You're not going. You're probably not going to trade Stephen Adams for you know X, Y, and Z, or X being an Anthony Davis or a Bradley Beal or whatever dream scenario you're dreaming up right now so this is the reality you live in you have russell westbrook and paul george paul george as great as he is he needs to be a2 not a1 or not even like plan b he has to be a2 he has to make sure russell has to do the emotional physical brunt of the work and that that can mean that he doesn't have to he doesn't have to score 20 I mean, he was when the thunder were winning those games he, russell had like 12 14 points a game in, in that streak you know he, you'd look at the box score and it was like oh he only had 12 yeah uh easiest way i can i totally agree with what you're saying it, but i think you're underselling paul george a little bit and the reason i can do this because i love this team it's my favorite basketball team i've ever followed derrick rose in 2011 won the mvp was the best player on that team by a mile yeah by a mile but he was not the leader of the locker room joakim noah was the leader of that team Mm-hmm. Like, that was Joe Keem's team. Whatever Noah said to do, that's what everyone did because he was the emotional locker room leader. 
But Derrick Rose is the best player on the floor, and everyone knew that, and everyone fell in line. The Thunder had to find their balance of who's our best player, who do we rely on once we get onto the floor, who's the guy in the locker room who's leading us. I think they figured out the first one. We know who the best player on this team is, who should be leading them on the floor. It's not even close. I think they've made a mistake of who should be leading them in the locker room. That's my two cents of this summer. That, I mean, I think that that's a fair thing fair thing to say because at this point you couldn't if you're Sam Presti you couldn't even say oh let's get like a Kendrick Perkins type personality just for the locker room because guess what Russ has been running this thing you know for x amount of years now like I don't know if Russ is at a point in his career where he would even listen to a veteran that he highly respects he he thinks he is the veteran he's that guy and you know I hate to play podcast therapist right now but I mean that that's kind of what we're dealing with because these are the things that the Thunder specifically Russ have improve on it's not it's not a talent standpoint um if you want to talk about shooting you know they've got pieces in place that if they make a leap that they made you know coming into this year you know similar into going into next year they're going to be relatively set you know to be an average three-point shooting team which is fine they're so athletic and they're so fast so tall that it really doesn't matter just don't have historically terrible shooting nights like you did in game one and game two, and you'll be fine, relatively speaking. And if you add some guys on the fringes, um, off well, those the guys bench, on the fringes that they're adding right now is Andre Robertson. I don't know if that's going to help that problem. Or may, like Ham- Hamadou's got to make a leap. He's got to make a leap. Oh God, which he can leap. That's that's not the problem. The problem is is that jump shot, but um, it's not broken like Andre's is. So that's, right. I guess that's kind of the good thing. But. Um, yeah, it, it just really what it comes down to is just Russell Westbrook's mentality. And my, I, I wish I could know this answer and we're never going to know it. My question this entire year has been, did Russell Westbrook really enjoy when Paul George was the focal point? And the reason why I asked that was because um, I think it might have been, it was during that that good 12 win and 14 game streak when the Thunder were one of the better teams in the league. And it was when Paul George was at the height of his MVP kind of candidacy. And I asked Russ, and I just I phrased the question this way in the locker room. Um, so, Russ, you know, as a former MVP yourself, how do you view Paul George's place in the in the conversation? And I expected, you know, Russell to give me like a really good answer because the thing is, is if you want to give if you want to get Russell Westbrook to give you a good answer, you ask him about a teammate. He will always give you a good answer that way. Right. And he was incredibly short about it. To the point where I was like, wow, like, I wonder if he actually truly enjoys this. Right. And yes, Russell wants to win. Russell enjoys winning. Russell loves Paul George. I'm not trying to insinuate anything, but it at least made me ask that question inside. And then as we saw the season play out, when Paul was hurt and wasn't 100%, the team went a certain direction. So there's there's all this evidence. Russell, do things a tad bit differently and maybe the team can succeed. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I'm just, I, we've played, and now this is just because I do this, I talk about this every night. You know, I've thought about it when I go home. Yeah, you're annoyed. <laughs> well, no, it's just, uh, yeah, we talked about the on-the-floor stuff, and maybe it is absolutely that simple. So that's my point is I've talked about it enough now where I'm probably making it way more complicated than it is. But I said this on the air, and I will say it again here. I think there are times, in this postseason being one of them, because he took it very personal, and last year against Ricky Rubio, and this year against Damian Lillard, that he, he got so personal that you could have put him on the floor with Nikola Mirotic, Brooke Lopez, Joe Harris, and name some other forty percent three point shooter, 
and I still think they lose that series. So like at some Tunnel point, vision. Yeah. yeah. So I think at some point we could talk about the the floor of what he adjustments he needs to make, and that's all well and good. But it's it's almost where I'm so far where I'm like this is just who he is, and so you're not asking him to change his game. You're asking him to change the human being that he is on a daily basis, and I don't know if that's going to happen. Because you can say, oh, if you just play a little bit different, Russell, well, I, and that's what we've said for years, what I'm realizing now is that, hey, just play a little bit different, Russell, is, hey, Russell, just be a different person. Yeah. Because he he's, he puts them so close together and laces his fingers on everything. That's just who he is, and I don't know if that change is ever, 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 ever going to happen. Yeah, I mean, Chisholm, if you just asked me, hey, do you think the Thunder with Paul George and Russell Westbrook are ever going to make like a serious run in the postseason? If you asked me that right now, I'd say no. <laughs> I mean, unless something drastic happened, like if they were to add another all-star superstar. Right. Th- that kind of changes th- the equation. But as constructed, no, I don't think so. And it's because of what you just said. Asking to change the mental makeup of a Russell Westbrook to change the human being to an extent or not change it, but alter it or improve it in certain areas that need improvement. That is really hard. But that's again, that's the reality that we live in. The Thunder just, yes, they need to add some shooting. They need to add, you know, a backup five. If New Orleans goes, they need to address the backup four as well. Um, all, every team has those mechanical issues. That they have to work out every off season. Every right. team has to deal with that. But this is the, the crux. If, if if the Thunder are going to roll with this squad, relatively speaking, for the next two years, that's what has to improve. If that improves, then my outlook on the team uh, postseason-wise would change. If that doesn't happen, this is what we're going to see. Right. The Thunder could, you know, they could threaten to be a 50-win team. They can possibly get a little bit hotter and not get as cold for like 20-30% of the season like they have in the last two right. years. So some things could change a little bit, but at the end of the day, once you get into the postseason and things matter these same problems are going to come up. Right. Uh, yeah, and changes on the fringes is a topic that we get all the time, and people ask us about constantly of, hey, who are they going to get? What movies are, moves are they going to make? I'm going to play this game very quickly just because I like talking fans through things that sometimes fans don't think about. Next year, for sure, under contract, Russell Westbrook, Andre Robertson, Paul George, uh, Jeremy Grant, Stephen M., starting five. Dennis Schroeder, six man. Terrence Ferguson, Patrick Patterson, that dude's opted in in a hurry. <laughs> Hamadou Diallo and Deontay, Deontay Burton. Ten guys. That doesn't leave a whole lot of roster spots. Let's not even talk about money. Just talk about roster spots of yep. guys to bring in and if to they, play rules. And if they keep their draft pick, there's a spot right there. Yeah, so now you're at 11. Yep. You're at 11 with your first round pick. So you've got one guy in two two ways, which might be Juwan Evans, for all we know. We have no idea. But it, it, it does not look good. As far as like People you can add, but we'll play the game and we're gonna do rapid fire, Brady. Quickly, let's do it. Okay, no, 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 no uh, diatribes. I'm basically gonna name everyone who's either going to be a free agent for sure or has an option, player or team, uh, that could be a free agent this summer. Uh, number one list. I'm sorry, I don't mean to do this. Kevin Durant, he's a player option. Assume he's not coming. <laughs> Paul Millsap has a team option for uh, thirty and a half million dollars. I'm gonna go ahead and say that Denver is going to move I, on. Really. 30 and a half? Oh. It's a lot. Yeah. 30 and a half is a lot for Paul Millsap. They still got a lot of young contracts on that squad, don't don't they? Are they still? Are, they, well, Gary Harris just signed his extension. I think Jamal Murray's due this summer, too. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Um, Yo. But I could be wrong on that. Al Horford has a player extension for $30 million, or player option. That's a little bit of a squirrely one. Not too sure if he's going to opt in or out. Can't quite decide. 
Uh, Hassan Whiteside is signing the dotted line at like stroke of midnight, $27 million. <laughs> yep, I'm a Heat fan. <laughs> Mark, Mark Gasol, 25 and a half. He's another one of those guys. I'm not entirely sure what he's going to do. Harrison Barnes, $25 million. Not sure what he's going to do. Either Any of those guys so far you think is a real possibility for the Thunder? No. Nah. Short answer, no. Thank you. Moving on. Chandler Parsons? Nope, sorry. Player <laughs> option. He's signing hard, hard. At I just picture him like in a full body cast every time I think Chandler, Chandler Parsons. So, I'm, again, so now I'm just going to play the game where I'm going to rattle, and I want you to stop me when you hear someone you think the Thunder could actually sign, and this is going to be a really sad game. Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Jabari Parker, Jimmy Butler, Kent Bazemore, Tyler Johnson, Goran Dragic, Alan Crabb. He has a player option. That dude's, Jonas Valanciunas has a player option. Marvin Williams with a player option. Chris Middleton with a player option. Michael Kilgiltris with a player option. Dwight Powell with a player option. Julius Randle. Patrick Patterson, already a Thunder player. Aaron Baines with a player option. Uh, Alonzo Trier with a uh, team option. Nerlens Noel, that dude's gone. James Innes with a player option. Uh, Jaleel Okafor. Henry Ellenson. Wesley Inouadu. Okay, I'm skipping the rest of these bottom dwellers. <laughs> All right, for sure, 100% free agents, no options. Chris Bosh. Do you know he's the 12th highest paid player in the league this year? Good for him. Yeah, shout out Chris Bosh. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony, DeAndre Jordan, Clay Thompson, Dwight Howard, Ennis Cantor, Wesley Matthews, Damari Carroll, Trevor Ariza, Ricky Rubio, Tobias Harris, Robin Lopez, Taj Gibson, Jeremy Lin, Thaddeus Young, Kenneth Fareed. You said Wes Matthews, and wherever Sam Presti is right now, he might be across the street from us for all we know. He, he just like kind of perked up a little bit. Like, yeah, he, he Wes, popped up. Wes Matthews? Yeah. Uh, Wes Matthews possible, do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's pretty apparent from the exit interview with Presti that um, if he's taking calls, which he will be, I, I think Presti and the Thunder will be one of those people that are trying to get his attention. Yeah. I mean, he mentioned him twice, a guy that's never played for this team. <laughs> and I, I've talked to a few people in the organization over the um, last few years, and they've said this unprompted. They've always felt that Wes Matthews would be a perfect fit for this team, not just on the floor-wise, but just his personality. They, they, this this franchise has really liked Wes Matthews. Okay, so can they afford him? <laughs> Basically like a mid-level exception, $6 million. Mid-level exception. Is of, what they're the, going to be able to offer him? Is that going to be enough to get Wes Matthews? I mean, the problem is just going to be his role. I, th- I don't think the money is going to be a problem. I think it's just So gonna, the 12th man ain't doing it for him? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tyson Chandler, Morse, Gortat. I can't. I, I always struggle with this first name for some reason. Wilson Chandler, Nikola Vucevic, Nikola Mirotic, Tyreek Evans, JJ Redick, Austin Rivers, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Kimball Walker, Zach Randolph, Alec Burks, Iman Shumpert, Terrence Ross, Boyan Bogdanovich, Rudy Gay, Danny Green, Darren Collison. Are Thunder fans sad yet? Are they having a realization that we all had months ago? I mean, they should just sign Iman Shumpert so he don't drop 40 on them again. <laughs> <laughs> he plays great at the peak. Jared Dudley, Rajon Rondo, Costa Kufis. Is any of these names making anyone feel better? Markeith Morris, Jared Bayless, Garrett Temple. Dwayne Wade on that list? <laughs> Dwayne Wade is on the list. Uh, Sign him. Corey Joseph mildly intrigues me, but that's just because I love Corey Joseph. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's going to get a little bit more money than the Thunder could offer. Jermichael Green? Mm. No. He played really great. This is going to sound really weird if you know anything about Jermichael Green. He played center against the Warriors. Yeah. He played incredible uh, in games three, four, and five. The thing is, is the Thunder don't have that problem with the small ball, small, small ball five guy. Right, right, right. He basically the backup four, the backup five. Uh, Jeremy Lamb, and I don't know if he wants that. Jeremy Lamb, Darrell Arthur, Dwayne Dedman, D'Angelo Russell, Dwayne Dedman, backup five. And he's going to be 34 next year, so I assume cheap money. 
that. I'll say possibility. Possibility, yeah. Possibility. Boban? Oh, that'd be fun. Oh, that'd be a blast. Al Farouk Amino, no way. Mario Hazonia? He's a former lottery pick, so that just feels like Sam Fressy would love him. <laughs> Feel like he was would it, love him. Was he from the 2013 draft? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, Mio still Diadosic? Well, no, actually, I don't think we have enough cigarettes here in Oklahoma for no. him to. I think to he's. I think he's done with the NBA, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wayne Ellington, Wesley Johnson, Ish Smith, Anthony Tolliver, Ben McLemore, Jason Smith, Marcus Morris, Demarcus Cousins, Alex Alexis and Jinsa, Cephalosha, Patrick Beverly. Mike Muscala, Dirk Nowitzki. This is such a sad list now. So my point. Yeah, you know, we also kind of forgot Raymond Felton said that he wants to come back. Oh, yeah, that's 12. Oh, my. They have full roster. Yikes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's – so free agency. But I guess, Chisholm, they're, they're going to trade for Bradley Beal. Okay. Stop we, being such a hater. We can go down that road. <laughs> here's going to be my – here's why I play this exercise for th- – Three minutes is, first off, to lower everyone's expectations of free agency because, A... To ruin your day. There's not a whole lot of people who make sense that they could actually afford it. By a whole lot of people, I mean, we couldn't come up with one. That we were like, ah, that actually, that look, that's the guy. That's the guy they would go after. Besides Wesley Matthews making a little too... Not not making enough money and not enough minutes. Exactly. Um, outside of that. Uh, and number two, oh yeah, they don't have any spots to give anyone. They would have to trade a player to sign someone. So... If this team's going to improve, it's going to be in the trade market. It's not going to be in the free agency market. Bradley Beal. Sure, everyone's seen the Bleacher Report article. Everyone saw all the rumors. Here's my number one problem with that trade. They don't own those picks. There's three first-round picks in that Bleacher Report article. <laughs> yeah. The Thunder don't own one, or don't own two of them and legally are not allowed to trade the third. Didn't you tweet that? Was yes. that you? <laughs> like, half, do half of your research. And that wasn't John Hamm that wrote that, was it? No, it was not. Of course it wouldn't be. He'd have known that. John's entirely too smart. Come on, Bleacher Report. Dude. Yeah. Be better. So they can't trade. That trade doesn't exist. Bradley Beal, do you even want to vaguely entertain this? I'm always a little skeptical just to write stuff off because I have a. I lived with I a guy. Wrote, who, hey, I wrote off the Paul George thing um, during Russell's MVP year because I. It would every other week when the Thunder would lose, there would be a Paul George photoshopped into a Thunder jersey, like in my right. mentions. And I'm like, guys, that's not going to happen. He's going to the Lakers. Just shut up. Yeah, I did. So the, yeah, like it, it can't. Like it's possible. Well, Sam, that's what Sam Presti does to you. That's that summer was tough for me because I have a roommate who's just. I had a roommate who was a. Th- I now live with my wife, and she doesn't care about basketball. Uh, a Thunder <laughs> Homer, and he's like, "Hey, man, Paul George this summer." What you think? I was like, shut up, dude. That's so stupid. Don't waste my time with that. And overall, my point was, don't get your hopes up because then you're going to be real disappointed. So don't get your hopes up. That's not going to happen. Then it happened. And then he's like, hey, Carmelo Anthony's a little unhappy. (laughs) Not loving it in New York. I'm like, shut up. Okay, come on. Lightning does not strike the same place twice. Shut up. It's stupid. I don't want to talk about it. And then, well, and behold. So I'm very slow to just write things off. We know the Thunder had some vague interest in Bradley Beal at one point in time before Billy Donovan was even in the in the fold because they allegedly, rumor was, they basically said, hey, James Harden for Bradley Beal straight up. Yeah, uh, we don't know if that was under. And Washington, which Bradley Beal's a great player, but Washington made a huge error in saying no. Good God. <laughs> um, but uh, They so, would, probably wouldn't even have John Wall. They would have chosen someone else. I think they chose Bradley Beal after John Wall. Oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah. right. Never yeah, mind. he's a year behind. They had back-to-back good drafts. Way to go, Ernie Grunfeld. Didn't do a whole lot right, but nailed those two. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so we know the Thunder at least respect Bradley Beal, or at least did at one point in time, had some interest in him. So that, I'm 100% admitting that exists. I'm sure Sam would call 
what that would look like. Does the Wizards want Steven Adams? Probably not. Do the Wizards want Dennis Schroeder to back up John Wall's one ankle? Probably not. Real quick, my question for you would be with this before we get any further. Um, between Schroeder and Adams, probably the two more talked about players in a, in a potential Thunder trade this offseason, do you get rid of both of them for one player or do you only want to part with one of them and try your best to get a better asset? So, for instance, if Washington were to, for whatever reason, I don't know if the contracts would work, if they said, give us Schroeder, Adams, Bradley Beal. I would do that in a heartbeat if I was Thunder. Is that your question? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. you wouldn't mind parting with both of them. For a guy like Bradley Beal, yeah. Okay. Now, that list is going to be like 25 guys in the league. But, yeah. So, I mean, I would do that. I'm not going to be steadfast on that. I think, now, this is, we're, we're a ways in. So, maybe people have tailed off and I don't know as many people mad at me. I think they should trade Steven Adams regardless. I think he is such a dated center for this league that, yeah, I get it. Great guy. He's very funny. I loved his exit interview. I enjoyed him. I would hang out with him anytime he wants to hang out with me. I don't think he makes a lot of sense for the current NBA. I think they would have a lot better of a shot, and I know this is funny now, but if they were bringing in like a Nerlens Noel on a two-year deal or going out and getting just basically finding spot rotation minutes from different guys on short contracts for the center position because it just doesn't feel as valuable. Can you rebound? Yep. Can you block shots a little bit? Yep. That's about all we need now. Yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying there because I think you spend can... Spend that money elsewhere. I, I think you, Yeah, point. I think you can get away with spending your money elsewhere. I think you can get away with just having... a a placeholder at the center position because I want to see more Jeremy Grant at the five. Right. I think it just makes I a think lot they of should sense. be closing Jeremy Grant. I think it five. just makes a lot a lot of sense that way. Uh, my thing with Steven, um, it just really feels like he's plateaued. I, I just don't know how much better he can get unless he just all of a sudden decides I'm going to start shooting and I'm going to shoot at a respectable clip that forces the defense to close out on me. Like it's one thing for him to shoot. It's another thing for the defense to respect him. Jeremy Grant shoots a high percentage from the corner uh, at uh, the three-point line. But can you remember any like times defenses like made it apparent like we cannot let Jeremy Grant be open and uh, no. be on the arc? No. He's just not there yet. Maybe coming into next year, if he continues that shooting early on, maybe Jeremy turns into a guy that's a better floor spacer than he already is. So my thing with Steven is just it's not just him simply deciding that he wants to shoot or the, his coaching staff telling him that he needs to shoot. It's he needs to shoot, and then the defense has to respect him because he's hitting it at a respectable clip. So, um, yeah, I mean, I hate to say that Adams is a dated center, but it just seems like every time he plays the uh, upper echelon of bigs in this league, and even with, in the Northwest Division, I mean, think of all the all the centers in this in this division. You got Nurkic, who's probably either the worst or next to worst with Stephen Adams. Gobert, I think Car- he's better. Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, um, is that it? Steven Adams, Nurkic, Carl Anthony Towns, Gobert. There's five people in the division, so I don't oh. know if you've named four other centers. Yeah. Yet. Is that everybody? I can't think. Have you named four centers besides Steven Adams? Cat, Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Nurkic, Adams. Okay, yeah, yeah. never mind. Yeah, so it, it, when he pl- goes up against those guys, and then you throw in an Anthony Davis, uh, Joel Embiid is probably the best center that he has the best time with, but even Joel Embiid has his numbers against Steven because he, he has to stretch the floor, so... In an 82-game season, and you're asking Steven Adams to play north of 37, 38 minutes a game, he always, after the All-Star break, he always looks bang the hell up. Yeah. And then in the postseason, he typically is able to turn it on, but you saw in this in this series against Portland... He did not turn it the on. The Thunder tried to just 
you're better than Canner. We're just going to simply dump it off to you. That's not how you beat Canner. I thought this when he played for the Thunder. When Canner gets matched up one-on-one on the block, he's big and tall. Like He's a fine... He's def- super strong, which yeah, is why he's great offensive yeah, rebound. He's a fine defender in that way. That is the exact wrong way to attack Dennis Canner. And you don't do it with Steven Adams, who has an offensive game that I would say is best described as developing. Right. But I don't know how much further it can go along because... I mean, it, half the time it's an adventure when he gets the ball in the low box. Sometimes he has, he's got the footwork to make it make a pretty move, pretty little up and under. Other times he travels. Other times he just hits nothing but backboard. Right. So I just don't know what your ceiling is for Steven Adams offensively because defensively he does as much as you need him to do. He probably does a little bit too much. And when he goes up against the better bigs, it kind of gets neutralized to the point where, okay, can he stretch the floor? And that, no, he can't. So then your offense is bogged down. Yeah, I can't wait for everybody after 20 games next year to tweet me how wrong I am. Be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, well, let's first, wait for the last 20. First before. 20 games of the year, like that pick and roll lob is always working, you know, to perfection. And then teams start back in the paint, and then it's like back to square one with this offense. Right. So that would be my move, but I'm not the general manager. I would move on from Steven Adams as quickly as I, I wish could. you were the general manager. That'd be hell. That'd be great for this podcast. That'd be great for this podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're, we're getting pretty up there in time. We're about 40 minutes. So I figured uh, that'll do us. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about. Um, all the way throughout the summer. Uh, the NBA lottery is soon. We'll dive into that. Uh, when we get closer to the championship, I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit more about conference final games and the NBA finals as well, uh, making sure we're giving you our thoughts on, uh, let me see, the Milwaukee Bucks playing the Sixers and the Warriors playing the Trailblazers. That's my guess. Uh, I think the West is pretty... I mean, we'll, we'll find out a lot tonight's game three. Right. But... I mean, Portland just looks better than Denver. So you're going Warriors-Portland. Yep. East? Uh, man, nope. I, Holding your feet to I, the I fire. Still, I still want to say Toronto. Like, I'm not going to okay. jump off their bandwagon just yet. I think they're, I just think they're still good. If it makes you feel better, I picked them before the series started, so I'm just sticking with my pick. I'm not I, reacting to game three. I just really wouldn't be surprised if it's Philly. Philly's just so talented in their top five. I mean, yeah, Joel said it last night in his uh, exit interview. He said something along the lines of, yeah, yeah, it's great if you're a team that really plays well together. Unless you're going up against a lot of talent. <laughs> Talent makes it really easy. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's true. Sometimes that just it's touche, Joel. Touche. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for us here on the OKC82 podcast. Like I say, B and Brady, uh, we'll be doing some more stuff. I think we're at Madison Morris next week as well. Yeah, she's in San Francisco right now, partying her ass off. So she'll be back. Yeah, perfect. Rest assured, don't worry. Perfect, perfect. Well, safe travels to Madison Morris, uh, and we will have her on the podcast next week, and we'll dive into a lot more stuff here on the OKC82 podcast. Make sure you follow us at at the franchise OK. Uh, at the franchise okay on Twitter, uh, the franchise okay.com as well, uh, as well as me and Brady on Twitter is at Chisholm Holland and at Brady Does Sports. Love to hear from you as well. Hit us up with your questions. But for now, signing off. Appreciate you guys. Thank you.